gospel is taken far and wide. Paul and his helpers that God supplied to him along the way bring the good news farther than ever before. Join us as we travel with the apostle on his second great missionary journey. Welcome to the Shalom Y'all Ministries podcast. I'm your co-host, Adam Keim, along with my good friend, Dr. Daniel McCabe. Daniel, how has the Lord been encouraging you lately? Well, the first thing that comes to mind for me is that my oldest son is graduating, just just graduated, and now we're wow. celebrating his graduation from high school. That's hard to believe, isn't it? Yeah, time sure does fly. Yeah, and the encouraging part for me is that he's he's really grown into a fine young man, and he loves to serve the Lord. He's been helping me with the ministry here and other things. And that's just been super encouraging for me. Excellent. Yeah. He's, he's a wonderful young man. So thank you. Definitely a way that the Lord has been encouraging you not only for his graduation, but each and every day. Yes. So our motto here at Shalom y'all is a walk through the land deepens your walk with the Lord. Our mission is is to teach and encourage those who love the Bible, the land of the Bible, and the people of the land. Now, in addition to the teaching that we do regularly here, we love to lead educational tours to Israel that can make a great impact on your own walk with the Lord. So go ahead and reach out to us for more information on how you or your group can experience the land of Israel firsthand. Now, our main topic this week is Paul's second missionary journey. And Daniel, just kind of a side note, this kind of jumped out to me earlier this morning. Yeah. Paul's first missionary journey was our episode 13. And Paul's second missionary journey is our episode 16. That lines up with the chapters in Acts, doesn't it? He goes on his first missionary journey in Acts huh. 13, and he goes on his second one in Acts 16. I didn't even think of that. How fun is that? So we might have to make episode 18 his third missionary journey. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what the schedule does. Okay. Well, I'm game. <laughs> But to lead things off every episode, we begin with random, shorter topics that jump out to us from the world of biblical geography, archaeology, or theology. So, Daniel, what do you have for us today? Well, Adam, I'm sitting in my home office, as always, when I record our podcasts. The walls of my office here are pretty sparse. There are just three things on the walls. There's a Texas-shaped clock that my first cousin Linda gave me 40 years ago, and it's still ticking, by the way. (laughs) There's a picture of half a dozen mallard ducks taken off from a stump-riddled lake. Reminds me of Caddo Lake back in Texas where I grew up. And then thirdly, there's a 2022 photography from Israel calendar that's been stuck on the last page for the past six months. (laughs) But, you know, for me, it's home. And it's where I study, it's where I write, it's where I read, and sometimes it's even where I cry. It's where I meet the Lord. This room is a place where I have so often found God's peace, and it's where I I learn the scriptures. It's nothing fancy, but I wouldn't change a thing. Well, last fall, some dear Texas friends of mine attended an estate sale where they picked up a wall hanging with a beautiful floral pattern. I know they love to do the estate sales as often as they can. They've got some pretty good deals. Well, this 
this wall hanging, it's shaped like the palm of a right hand, which I've since learned is a popular design throughout the Middle East known as a Hamsa, which means five. And traditionally, the Hamza has been considered a sign of protection. And there's writing on this Hamza in Hebrew. My Hebrew, or my modern Hebrew, Hebrew isn't as strong as my biblical Hebrew. How's yours, Anna? Uh, modern, I'm still, I, I really <laughs> need to learn it more. Yes. But I know your biblical Hebrew is solid, or how would you describe it? My biblical Hebrew still yeah. always growing. Okay. <laughs> Well, I, I looked at this wall hanging that they sent me. They sent me a picture of it. And when I translated it, the, the Hamza, as I'll call it, it, it read something like this. So again, bear with my translation. But it says, may this be a place of rest, a dwelling place for peace. May there be peace here for the family under this roof. May the voice of the Torah be sung here, and may the presence of God dwell here. You know, you asked me how the Lord's been encouraging me lately. So really, I think what I'm wanting to do here just now is to encourage others. And that's my prayer for those of you who are listening today, wherever you may be. Perhaps you're listening in your dorm room or while mowing your lawn. Maybe you're in your car or running laps at the park, but... Wherever you go or wherever you lay your head at the end of this day, may you sense the presence of God there. Perhaps you're alone today and feeling more alone than ever, but lift your voice in prayer or song, and I just believe that the peace of God will come, of which this Hamza speaks and of which Scripture so abundantly teaches us. How wonderful to, to know that wherever we are, He surrounds us always with his protection. Amen to that. Now we will be in the book of Acts a lot on this episode, so why not talk about this wonderful book a bit more? Something that I'd like to share with our listeners is an important thing to consider when you are reading and interpreting Acts along with any book of the Bible. You must always understand the context of what is written. Now, there are vital questions uh, to ask of any given scripture passage, such as who is speaking and who is the audience, and at what time and for what reason was something mentioned. A very important contextual question to ask in the book of Acts is, is this statement descriptive or prescriptive? Now, I mention this because well-ordered churches today look to the scriptures to find out how they should operate. So what will surprise a ton of modern-day Christians is that there's actually not as much content as we would tend to think as to how a local church should function, at least in regards to specific instruction. Now, the Bible affords us a lot of latitude. Now, we see a lot of examples in the Bible of what first-century Christians did in certain situations, such as in the book of Acts. But just because we read about something that they did in a particular time and place, we must ask, is this passage actually commanding me to do something, or is the Bible writer simply recording something that happened? Is it merely descriptive of an event, or actually prescribing an instruction? 
Now, that contextual question alone will clear up a lot of potential confusion over whether or not something is commanded for us today. The time period of Acts records a transitional era in God's overall program. The church began as a subset of Israel, more or less. We can see about the coming of that, talked about in John 10. And it eventually grew to be a unique entity apart from it. Now, Acts also covers the apostolic era when Jesus' authorized representatives were at work toward a post-apostolic era that we find ourselves in today. So Acts kind of records the transition of the church. Now, we could both, you and I, Daniel, talk for a long time on faithful and responsible ways to interpret the biblical text, but that will have to do for now. Daniel, what is this week's trivia question? Adam, have you ever watched the 1971 movie Fiddler on the Roof? I have not seen the movie. I have been to a theater production of it. Okay. But I, so but you, I haven't you, seen the classic movie. Oh my. Okay. Well, you need to see it. it it's, it's a wonderful movie. I imagine the theater production did a good job of it as well. The main character, as you know, from having watched at least the, the production is, is the character Tevia. Uh, this is one of my favorite movies of all time. I didn't even encounter it until I was in my thirties, but I could talk to you about this all day too, much like we could talk about uh, the study of scripture, as you were mentioning in acts and all that. But I want to quiz you today on the man who played Tevia. His name was Chaim Topal. He was a very popular Jewish singer and actor who passed away on March 8th of this year in the same city where he was born, Tel Aviv, at the age of 87, Mm. following a very severe battle with Alzheimer's. So for today's trivia, I'll present you with four things about his life. This is Chaim Topol's life. And three of them are going to be false. Only one of them is going to be true. And you and our listeners, Adam, you must decide which one of the four statements is true. You got it? All right. Challenge accepted. Okay. So which one of these things about the real life of Chaim Topal is true? Okay, first A, before achieving musical and acting fame, he worked as a plasterer and a tailor. B, he dubbed the voice of Baloo in the Hebrew language version of the Jungle Book. C, Although he played a dairyman and fiddler on the roof, ironically, he couldn't drink milk or ingest milk products of any kind. Or D, he volunteered to work with Mossad, Israel's spy agency, and even worked on secret missions for them. So let me run through them again really quickly again. Uh, Before achieving musical and acting fame, he worked as a plasterer and a tailor. B, he dubbed the voice of Baloo in the Hebrew language version of the Jungle Book. Uh, thirdly, see, although he played a dairyman and fiddler on the roof, ironically, he couldn't drink or ingest milk products of any kind. Or D, he volunteered to work with Mossad, Israel's spy agency, and even worked on secret missions for them. Think that one over, and we'll have the answer for you later in the podcast. This is certainly one of those portions of Scripture that you will want to have your Bible in one hand and a good map in the other. I encourage our listeners to listen to episode 13 of the podcast to hear about Paul's first great missionary journey, 
if you haven't done so yet. Now for this second journey, Paul said to Barnabas in Acts 15, 36, Let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaimed the word of the Lord and see how they are. Now, this was very important to Paul, to see the churches again that he planted and check in on them. I really appreciate that. Discipleship was a great matter to Paul, in addition to evangelism and church planting. At the heart of his letters to the churches is discipleship. He does this by teaching, encouraging, even correcting, rebuking, and everything that those believers needed to grow in the Lord. Now, at any rate, Paul decides to visit the churches. His split with Barnabas shortly thereafter is an interesting window into Paul's ministry, but we'll have to cover that topic another time. After Barnabas takes John Mark back to Cyprus, Paul takes with him Silas, someone you're going to teach about us in your segment, Daniel. Yeah, for sure. He's a fascinating man. Yeah, it's it's an awesome study into into the the life of any biblical character. But yeah, Silas, I'm, I'm excited to to hear what you have about about him. Okay, but Paul and Silas they take a reverse route from the first journey, going through Derby and Lystra, where he meets Timothy and adds him to the missionary group. Now, can you imagine traveling with that illustrious troop, Paul, Silas, and Timothy? Oh, man. I think we'd learn a lot. Oh, the stories and the the Bible studies around the campfires. Oh, that'd be awesome. So they go through Iconium and Antioch, but then they keep going northwest all the way through Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey. Now, an interesting thing happens to them in that direction. Acts 16, 6 through 7, talk about the Holy Spirit not allowing them to head into northern Turkey. Paul wanted to preach the gospel there, but God redirected them. He wouldn't even allow them to go that way. Now think about that the next time doors close on your plans in life. Even if they're good or righteous plans, like Paul's were, God works things together in his perfect timing. Those people would eventually you know, receive the gospel. But instead, Paul sees a vision of a Macedonian man calling for help. Some people think this man was Luke himself, because that point onward, Luke uses the first person plural pronoun we when narrative narrating the events of Acts. He goes from Paul did this and that to we are doing this. But the region of Macedonia was home to Philip II of Macedon. You may have heard of him. He was Alexander the Great's father. In fact, he renamed the city of Crenides that he captured to Philippi as we know it now, one of the cities in Macedonia that Paul visits on this missionary journey. Paul and company cover an amazing amount of of land and sea and time, passing through Athens and Corinth and sailing along the Aegean Sea, heading to Ephesus and eventually landing back in Caesarea, going up to Jerusalem and down to return to his base at Antioch. This was a long (laughs) missionary journey. A ton of stunning events happened at all of those places, and I encourage you to read about this missionary journey in the book of Acts. You'll find it in chapters 1536 to 1823. And as you do, you'll, you'll be struck by, by how God was always at work through Paul and how the gospel spread in the most humanly impossible situations. Well, for my main focus in this podcast, I want to talk about Silas and his role 
along with Paul in the second missionary journey, Silas was sometimes called Silvanus, accompanying Paul on the second missionary journey and part of the third. I like to call Silas the man who walked with giants. Hmm. A very simple reason. He he served alongside two giants of the faith. First Paul, of course, and then also Peter, who mentions Silas in his first epistle, 1 Peter 5.12. So what do we know about Silas? First of all, he was a capable leader. Acts 15.22 describes him as a leading man among the believers in the Jerusalem church. It's a very simple expression, but really very highly complimentary. I wouldn't mind people saying that about me. Silas helped chart a biblical course at that time for the integration of Gentiles into the church, which was not an easy leadership task. So task rather. So a, a, a very important leader in those days. Secondly, he was a trustworthy man following a decision by a major church council held in Jerusalem regarding what Jewish Christians should ask of newly saved Gentiles the council sent a letter to their sister church in Antioch that outlined the decision. And the letter read in part, quote, We have therefore sent Judas and Silas, who will also report the same things by word of mouth. You can read about that in Acts 15, 27. So in other words, the council knew that they could trust Silas to accurately convey their decision. Silas wasn't going to add anything to it or sugarcoat it. He wouldn't spin it or try to avoid controversy for the sake of keeping peace. Silas could be trusted to represent the council accurately. Thirdly, he was a prophet, according to Acts 15 and 32. And a prophet is one who receives direct revelation from God to declare truths not yet known, 1 Corinthians 13, 2, or to predict truths things that have not yet taken place, Acts eleven twenty eight. A prophet also teaches the Bible that others might grow, and so you can read about that. It's made mention in 1 Corinthians 14, 3. So Silas obviously then had a heart for teaching, and he had also learned to be sensitive to God's direction for his life. Acts 15, 33 through 34 tells us, after the church council's delegation had stayed in Antioch for a time, they were sent back with greetings from the brethren to the apostles in Jerusalem. However, it seemed good to Silas to remain there in Antioch. So what did Silas do while in Antioch? Verse 32 says, He exhorted and strengthened the brethren with many words. Fourthly, he was a preacher, according to 2 Corinthians 1.19. He evidently cared about people, but he, he knew that by being careful with the Word of God, you are best able to care for others. Let me say that again. He, he knew that by being careful with the Word of God, you are best able to care for others. The best thing I can do for you, even if you don't like it, is to tell you clearly what the Bible says. And I hope you will always welcome the preaching of God's Word, even when it's hard to hear. Fifthly, Silas was a Roman citizen, according to Acts 16.37, which would give him a unique freedom to travel throughout the Roman Empire with Paul. Silas's Roman citizenship was a tremendous asset for Paul, who himself was a Roman citizen when Paul was looking for a companion for his second missionary journey. And sixthly, Silas was a fearless man because we, we read that Soon after escaping a mob in 
Thessalonica, he and Paul marched right back into the synagogue of the Jews at Berea, according to Acts 17.10. I don't know if I'd done that or not, Adam. I don't know if you'd you'd have had the nerve to do that as well, but that's what Silas did. So he was a fearless man. Seventhly, he was a submissive man, according to Acts 7.15. He followed Paul's leading, submitting to Paul's calling as an apostle, although he, in his own right, as we have learned, was an amazing leader. Well, this verse says that Silas received a command from Paul, a pretty strong word, to leave Berea at that time and join Paul in Athens. And so Silas did. He did as he was commanded. And then eighth and lastly, Silas was a longtime companion of giants, first Paul, then Peter. As we know, Paul chose Silas for his second missionary journey, and we can track Silas with Paul at several cities along the way. His name will crop up, including place names like Thessalonica and later Corinth. But Luke, the writer of Acts, never again mentions Silas after his arrival at Corinth in Acts 18 during Paul's third missionary journey. Which leads me to wonder if Silas left Corinth at that time to go to Rome where he links up with Peter. In any event, here's the main idea I really want to leave with you. That when you walk with giants like Paul and Peter, you'll certainly experience triumphs. Silas and Paul had great success founding churches and strengthening churches, really fulfilling work. But when you walk with giants... You'll also experience trials. Alongside Paul, Silas would be beaten and jailed, we see in Acts 16. He would be threatened by a mob, Acts 17, and finally forced to leave town. Uh, Trials and triumphs are often inseparable. Silas, the man who walked with giants, serving both Paul and Peter in their triumphs and trials, uh, the time that Silas spent with both of them, no doubt, shaped him significantly, making him even stronger in his faith. So then, in closing, really what I want to do is share with you two short faith lessons that you can take from this life of this great man. First of all, if you want to walk closely with God, then walk closely with giants here on earth who already do. And secondly, Prepare yourself for the fact that when you walk with giants, the road may get hilly and rocky, hilly as you ascend into blessings, or rocky as you run into trials, because as always, triumphs and trials almost always seem to go together. Let's return now to the big screen. Earlier I asked you, Adam, which one of the following statements about Chaim Topol, Tevia and Fiddler on the Roof, is true. So I'm going to run through them again, okay, and then I'll get your answer. Um, first of all, A, before achieving musical and acting fame, he worked as a plasterer and a tailor. B, he dubbed the voice of Baloo in the Hebrew language version of the Jungle Book. C, Although he played a dairyman and fiddler on the roof, ironically, he couldn't drink milk or ingest milk products of any kind. Or D, he volunteered to work with Mossad, Israel's spy agency, and even worked on several missions for them. 
So mm-hmm. what do you think, Mr. Adam? These are good ones, and I'm going to psychoanalyze all of them. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, the first one, Plasterer and Taylor, those kind of blue-collar trades go hand-in-hand hand with this character, Fiddler on the Roof, and so, you know, that, there could there could be something there. Uh, the second one, Baloo, I like that one. I grew up watching the Jungle Book, not the Hebrew one, unfortunately, the, the English one. So I really liked the Jungle mm-hmm. Book, and I, and I liked Baloo a lot. So mm-hmm. that's that's a good one. Third, I like the irony there. You know, he can't partake in in the substance that earned him a living in his most famous role. I also, of course, like the thought of him working with Mossad, going deep undercover and, you know, um, handling business there. Um, mm-hmm. hmm. I'm going to go with Baloo. Okay. Well, the answer is not Baloo. Oh, man. No, the answer is the last one. Oh, great. Uh, he volunteered to work with Mossad. In fact... He did that because of his unique lifestyle, really. His travels throughout the world gave him access to people and places that most people didn't have. He could be in all kinds of countries all over the world. So he was very well suited to be a spy for Mossad, and he was. This came out after his death when his children acknowledged that. Uh, regarding the other choices, uh, no, he was not lactose intolerant, intolerant to my knowledge. But he did, Adam, he did dub a voice for the Hebrew language version of the Jungle Book, only it was Bagheera, not oh, Baloo. Man. That's yeah. a tricky one. <laughs> I know. And finally, although Topal himself didn't work as a plasterer and a tailor, his parents uh, did. Yeah. Excellent. All, all this talk of Fiddler on the Roof makes me want to go watch it again and make you go watch it. You need to go watch it. <laughs> I'll have to I'll have to catch the movie version soon. Yeah, I don't know if they had the same songs in the theater production, but did you have a song from the production that you liked more than others? I mean, the the matchmaker song was was great. It kind of I didn't think that I would like that one as much, but but it was good. And of course, if I were a rich man, I I liked all the music. It's been a few years. It was a dinner theater, so I got dinner as well and dessert oh, okay. and coffee. So you know that. That just kind of helps me enjoy the, the experience more. But yeah, I'll have to watch the movie and line it up with what I remember of the stage production and see see if it's kind of more or less the same. Yeah, just uh, send uh, the kids to bed or, or or gather them around on the couch and fill them with popcorn and just enjoy it some night. Uh, maybe some Friday night when you're ready to relax, you're, you're gonna you're gonna have a, a good time with that movie. I liked uh, the song, if I were a rich man as well, but also liked the song far from the home. I love that. Uh, was wonderful. Anyway, what a great movie. Well, our new t-shirts are here. I promised you they were coming and they are here. They just arrived. I think it was yesterday. The new design includes our latest tag, which is a walk in the land deepens your walk with the Lord. The new t-shirts come in larger sizes, so they range now not only from small, but all the way up through 3XL, and they come into new colors, royal, blue, and red. Every donation of $25 or more receives a free t-shirt. So to see the new design and the new colors, you can head to www.shalomyallministries.org and look for the pull-down menu labeled Donate, found in the upper right-hand corner of our homepage. I haven't had a single person yet who hasn't commented on how soft these t-shirts are. I really think you're going to like yours. 
Well, on behalf of Richard and Adam, our board members, I'll say that we greatly appreciate your support of this ministry. And a free t-shirt is just one small way that we get to say thank you. Adam? Well, thank you all so much for joining us. Y'all, I'm practicing. Thank y'all so much for joining us on the Shalom Y'all Ministries podcast. We hope you enjoyed taking this adventure with Paul and Silas and on his second great missionary journey. God brought many great people into his life at this time, and we can be thankful that he does so for us as well. Shalom, y'all. Shalom, y'all.